Okay, so we're coming to the end of our, our series through the book of James. This morning we'll look at James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Um, and we've entitled today, Pray Continually. So we're finishing off James this week, and the next Sunday is kind of an overview. What's God been saying? Just the highlights, what's been God's been saying to us through the book of James. And then we start coming into a build-up to Easter, if you will, um, the 27th of March, uh, and the following two Sundays, uh, we've got guest speakers speaking from here, so you won't have to listen to me for a few weeks. Easter Sunday, we have planned to have a family service all together in here, uh, and then after that, we'll be looking at a new series uh, based on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you felt challenged from the book of James, hey, I'm not sure God's letting us, letting up with that, so... But something I want to do, and we've talked about this as a church and as a leadership team, often uh, we sit in church or in Bible studies or in our own time with God's word and we get challenged and, and we put it down, don't we? I think, well, that was good. Thank you, Lord. And then we get on with our lives. I think what's important, because there's some quite powerful things God's been saying to us through the book of James, what's important is we keep the conversation going. So in our, in our gatherings together, we say, James, so what? So, okay, Lord, the things you've spoken to us, the things we, you've challenged us about, we don't want to put that aside. We actually want to, in your power and your strength, do something about it. So hopefully this is part of an, of an ongoing conversation. And actually off the back of that, I, I hope you'll indulge me a little bit over the coming week. Most of you know um, I've started a master's. Yes, I know. That was not my choice. The Lord just said, now's the time. And I'm like, thank you for that. Um, but actually, as part of that, I have to do a mini research project. And through the, the, what we've been going through, the book of James, the mini research project is talking about justice. So I, I'm creating a survey, and I'd appreciate if you responded back to that. Not just for my, so I get a good grade, although that would be nice. But actually, because we really feel this is what God's been saying to us, and this hopefully will then shape us as a church and that's what it's about isn't it I, I, I'm not an academic person I don't enjoy you know I'd rather be watching Netflix if I'm honest but however I really feel this is what God's got for us at the moment so that'll be you should be coming to your inboxes in the next week or so so if you could look at that I'd, I'd really really appreciate that I want to ask you a question this morning is this book relevant is this book relevant? Are God's words still relevant? Always. Good. Good. Can we still believe the words that are written inside? All of the words that are written inside. It's really, really important. Because there's some things in this book that is surprising. There's some things in this book when God moves, we're like, wow, I'm not sure what I think about that. There are some things that God does in this book that we're like, wow, I wouldn't do it that way. And there's sometimes we just have to come to God and say, actually, you're God and I'm not. But do we believe what it says? We do, do we believe that God can still work and move in might and power 
in Coventry in 2022? Do we believe that the Holy Spirit can still work powerfully amongst us in this place? As we come to this passage in the end of James, I'm going to go ahead and read it now, and then as we look into it and as we look at some other scripture around it, we need to come to a passage like this with the mindset that this is true. We need to come to a passage like this with the mindset actually God still does, God still can, and God still wants to. Let me go ahead and re- re- read these few verses for us today, and then we'll pray and ask the Spirit just to reveal his truth and what he has for us today. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil and the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let us pray uh, this morning. Holy Father, we come before you today. We come before you with open arms and open hearts and open minds. Forgive us for the times when we've said in the past that you can't, you don't, or you won't. Forgive us for our small-mindedness when it comes to you. You are the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one that holds our very next breath in your hand. So we come before you humbly this morning. We ask primarily, above all, that the words of our mouth and the things we do in this place would give you honour and glory and praise. Holy Spirit, would you just make your presence felt so closely, so real here today in our lives and in our hearts. The fact that you dwell in us, Lord, I pray you would, that would give step us into a, a new reality of our following of you, Jesus. That your spirit is living and dwelling within us. Would you open our minds to the possibilities that are there when we take you with us wherever we go. Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us? Would you comfort the hurting today? Would you bring joy to the sad? Lord, would you 
gather up the dry bones of our hearts and raise us up into a mighty army for you, Jesus. The streams of life, the streams of living water that comes, that flow through us, as it says in your word, I pray combined, they would form a mighty raging torrent from this place. King Jesus, we lift your name high. We pray that your name would be proclaimed from the rooftops over this city. Lord, we want to bring this whole city of Coventry, the city of peace and reconciliation. I pray that people would know the only true peace and reconciliation through you, Jesus. I pray that everyone in this city that has never heard your name would hear it, Lord, and would bow the knee to you. Lord, that seems impossible to us. That seems astronomical to us, but you're the Lord of the universe, so we bring that to you today. We pray for those in our families who are distant from you, our friends and our neighbours who don't yet know you, Lord Jesus. Would you work through us just to bring light into the darkness and a hope to the weary, Lord, we pray. King Jesus, we lift your name high this morning. We ask that all we do here again would bring you honour and praise and glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So as we come to this passage here in James, we're talking about pray continually. And I think when we come to a passage like this, the first thing we need to do is put away our, our spiritual fire extinguishers. Um, let me uh, read a passage for you, and you can turn to it with me if you're able to from the book of 1 Thessalonians. We looked at this passage last Sunday as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 22. And it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. We read a couple of verses from here last week, and I said, are these the great verses alike? These are the easy ones to remember, two words long. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. I think a lot of my life, if I'm honest, as a Christian um, I made sure I took my spiritual fire extinguisher with me everywhere I went. I think in my life, a lot of my life, I've told God, you can't do that, or you don't do that, or you won't do that. And I truly believe that God wants to completely blow our minds, because he's God. I truly believe he wants us to live expectantly to see him move. I really, really feel that the, 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 the tiny little boxes or cages that we've created for him, that he wants us to take the lids off and open the doors to. I really believe truly that he's got something he wants to show us here in this place. And he wants to move amongst us in a mighty and powerful way. Now, I, I, I don't have... I'm not clinging onto with any of that. I want this to be completely only of him. That's the key for all of this. We've got to want what he wants. 
But we've got to be open for what he wants to do in our lives and among us as God's people. And as we come to this passage here, starting here, first it, verse 13 of James chapter 5, we need to give Jesus first place and he should be our first response. It says here, if anyone is among you in trouble, let them pray. If there's anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. We've just read in Thessalonians, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. Prayer should be our first response. It should be our last response. It should be, he should be the first place we go to when we're full of joy and, and we want to just tell someone about something amazing that's happened. Who do we go to first in those circumstances? Think about it. Who do we go to if we're excited about, about something that's happened? Or, or we, we've got the, some good news to tell someone. Who do we go to? James says, let's take it to him. Let's take it to Jesus. Oh, aren't you so amazing? Aren't you so wonderful? Oh, thank you for blessing me with this, Lord. Thank you for moving in this way. Wow. When we're sad and we're struggling and we're in pain, who should we go to? Is King Jesus, I don't understand what's going on here, but will you give me the strength to see through? Will you move through this situation in power and strength? Often we look everywhere else first, don't we? We go to other people with good news. We go to other people with sad news. And he should be the centre of our very being. We've already prayed about the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. To borrow words from Revelation, is he our first love? Is he really our first love? Think about that. Think about what that means if he is or if he isn't. Don't don't take that and beat yourself up the arms. I'm really rubbish at this and I'm really bad. Because we all are, if we're honest. He's waiting there with open arms for you and for me. Is he our first love? Let me read a few verses from the book of Psalms, chapter 84. As a team, we were praying before this morning and we were saying about how he needs to be our everything. He needs to be our everything. Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How often do we, do we use language like this? How often are we coming before King Jesus in this way? My heart and my flesh cry out for you. Not just when I'm in trouble, not just when I've tried every other option and you're the only one left, but actually my, my heart and my flesh cry out for you continually, all day long, the moment I wake up to the moment I lay my head on, on my pillow. My, my, I, I just need you, I want you, I want to be in your presence so much. How often do we, do, do we live like that as followers of Jesus? And we've said before, our Old Testament prophets and poets, they used language that, that we, we just don't have in our vocabulary. We need to get back to this. And in verse 3, he says, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Wow. Is 
this how we come before a Lord? Lord Almighty, my King, my God, my soul yearns for you. And then flip over to verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. How much do we long to be in his presence? How much do we just, can, 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 we, can we not cope when we're not in our presence? How much are we out of sorts when we've turned our back on him because we, we're fed up of listening to him, we don't want him to listen to him anymore? How, how, how much do we, does that just eat away at the very core of our souls? Listen, guys, this is, if we call ourselves Christians, if we take his name, this is what it should mean. Really, truly. Beyond anything, beyond compare. He's got to be our everything. Our everything. He wants to talk to you all day long. Did you know that? He wants to be in constant communication with you, in that close communion with you, all day long. And we don't always get this right, and there's times because of sin and because of doubt and because of fear, we, 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 we did try to disconnect ourselves from this. But what about if we made this year the year that we're going to strive to be in that place with him? We're going to strive, we, we're going to orient our lives around that desire just to be in his presence all day long, just to be praying, praying in the spirit all day long, as the scripture tells us. Just to be worshipping him all day long, just giving him praise just for who he is. Some of you might know we have a prayer room. We, we haven't been able to use it much over the last couple of years. Um, there was a, uh, we just got it going and then lockdown, lockdown started. And I was in there the other day and there's a, there's a big piece of like kind of sticky blackboard stuff. I don't know what that's called, but it's like sticky back plastic that you can write on with chalk. I think you know the sort of thing I mean. And it's a big one then. It was, it was dated February 2020. That's probably the last time a group, lasers, our lasers group go in there, but it's the last time a group has gone in there just, just to pray. And I was blessed. I spent a few hours in there this week and across a couple of different days. And yes, we can pray anywhere. I get that. But there's something about having a place committed to prayer. It's something about, there's something spiritual about being in a place where so many prayers have gone before us. So we want to look at ways to make that easier to access, ways that we can all be in there. So ways that we're, if we're up in the middle of the night, traps in the, floor, the, the halls, we'll think, actually, I'm going to go to the prayer room, I'm going to pray. And we've done things like 24-7 prayer stuff in the past, and, but we want this to be a place of prayer. I spent a blessed hour in there with, with Sammy the other day. We were just talking and we were just saying about how awesome and how amazing God is and we prayed together and we... It's such a blessing to have a place that's just dedicated to prayer. So we want to make that more accessible for all of you. We want to get back to that heart of prayer as God's people. But we need to centre our lives on him. Sometimes we need to ask forgiveness of him because he's not been on the throne of our hearts. So he needs to have first place. He needs to be our first response. But then we need to take a leap of faith. Verse 14, it reads, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. 
in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, he continues, he says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do we still believe God is a God of miracles? Or is that something that stopped some time ago? Do we still believe God can heal? Do we still believe that God can confound medical science? God works with our amazing doctors and our NHS, and we've got some blessed Christians working within those environments. But do we believe in more than that? Do we believe that sometimes God chooses to? I was sharing a story with someone the other day whose son was unwell and needed an operation. And God led them to pray over their son. When they took him for the operation, the doctors were saying, why why are you here? There's nothing wrong with your boy. God still performs miracles today. God still wants to heal, heal the brokenhearted, heal people physically. We need to kind of take our blinkers off, I think, sometimes. We need to understand who he is. How dare I say you can't, or you won't, or you don't? And there's tension in that, because God sees the bigger picture. Sometimes we just see the now. We see the now, and we, we plead for healing for people in tears, and, and there's some folk in our fellowship now that, that we, it just breaks our hearts. Sometimes God has a bigger plan. And sometimes we just need to trust him in that. And we've all experienced situations like that, where we've prayed for people, and we've prayed and prayed and prayed. Don't give up. God wants to break through. Pray continually. Be on our knees, crying out for those who are hurting, who are in pain, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, because God wants to heal. Sometimes God does things that we just, as I was saying before, we would never do. Sometimes he works in ways that we think, Why did you do that? And sometimes God does things that we will never understand in this life. And honestly, when we go to glory, it's not going to be a question that's on our heart because we're going to be focusing only on him. But actually, some point we need to trust him that he knows what he's doing. And we've experienced this in our family. My sister, some of you you know this. Um, Seven years ago, my sister was 47 and she died suddenly, really suddenly, within half an hour. And she went to the hospital that, her, that she worked at. She was working in administration, and the doctors and nurses who knew her were the ones working on her longer than they probably should have done, because it was a friend. And she left three teenage boys behind. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Why would you do this? She'd, he'd carried her through cancer twice. But we're like, Lord, why? I was privileged, uh, God made a way for me to be able to go to a funeral. She lived in the States at the time. And I went to a funeral and the place was packed. The whole building, there was standing room only at my sister's funeral. She was a Christian. She shared her faith openly at work. And it was full of the people that she worked with who didn't yet know Jesus. 
Sometimes God has a bigger, bigger plan than us. And sometimes God has a bigger plan than what we can see. And I, 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 don't, I don't know what the result of that was, but I know that people heard the gospel because of my sister. And sometimes we've got to hold this intention. Sometimes we've got to say, God, you're, you're bigger than me. Your understanding is bigger than mine. You, you desire things that are, are, are bigger than I can imagine. But God still desires to work here and now. God still desires to heal. He still desires to work miracles amongst us. But he won't do it in spite of us. Do you, know, do you understand that? The people who came to Jesus came because they believed he could heal them. He won't do it in spite of us. Earlier in the book of James, it says we need to believe and not doubt. And we see as well in, in, in the Gospels, when Jesus comes across, up against People who are unwell, people who are demon-possessed. He didn't just give them a tract and say, here you go, pray this magic prayer on the back of it. He took the time. He took the time and he, and he, and he gave his, the disciples power to go out and do that. And then Jesus says this strange thing in the Gospels. He says, greater things will you do than I. But he was the son of God, surely. But we have the very God of the universe dwelling within us with his spirit. Do we know the gravity of that? We say God can do all of this and then we come down to actually God's here. Living and dwelling within me. And we say no you can't do that. No you won't do that. This isn't how God works. Uh, my prayer for all of us as a community as we journey together is that God takes the shackles off that we've been so constrained with for so long. It gives us a real, real openness to what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you and through me. Not because of us, not because I'm amazing, not because you're great, but although you all are, but because of him. Because he's always working for his glory, not for mine and not for yours. It's not really about you and I. Really, we, we, we went through the book of Exodus, and I know some of you, that was went on for quite some time. And what God kept bringing me back to time and time and time again he did some amazing things. He performed miracles. He, he parted the, the, the Red Sea and they went through on dry land. And why did he say that? He was doing it over and over and over again. He didn't say, I was doing it so you'd feel better. He wasn't even doing it so, so they'd have a better life, he said, so they would know who I am. That's what God's about. God's about bringing glory and honor to his name, not to me or you. So when we come to passages like this, this is not our ball to play with. But we've got to believe that he can. We've got to believe that he wants to. We've got to believe that he has a desire to want to. Let me read you a passage from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I've lost it, sorry. It was here this morning. Someone's stolen it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But the beauty of God is when he's working in ways we don't get. He says, 
He said to Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In, in my experience, sometimes God's allowed things in my life to make me weak. To bring me to a place when I have no option other than to go to him. Often he's done that to me. Because I'm stubborn and I'm stupid and I'm proud. But often he's done that in my life. But is he enough? Getting back to what we were saying at the very beginning. My grace is sufficient for you. Is he enough? Is he enough through the challenges and through the trials and through the pain that this world throws at us? Is he enough? If God never blessed you ever again, is he still enough? Because of who he is, not because of what I can get from him. I delight in weaknesses, insults and hardships because when I am weak, then I am strong, God's word says. This is the upside down logic of the gospel. The world tells you that you need to be strong and you need to have this and that. And Jesus says, no, you need to be humble and you need to be weak. Because only then can I work through you. Only then when we've given up everything of ourselves, can the Holy Spirit begin to work through us. If it's about you and me, it just, it's, it's all skewed and it's off and it, it's just not going to happen. Do you trust him? And then there's an uncom- and more, another uncomfortable bit. It says, therefore, confess your sins, sins to each other. I wonder what kind of response I'd get if I said, let's all go confess our sins to somebody else in this room today. I wonder what that, I, wonder, I bet everyone would be like clinging onto the bottom of their seat. It's, confess your sins to each other. And there's two things for that for me. Sometimes I think there's an, there's an accountability thing where we really, really do need to go to someone. I mean, if you go to someone you don't know, they might be extremely uncomfortable with that. But hey, God's word says it. But actually, sometimes there's an account. I think an accountability type relationship is okay. That's fine. Well, we are actually saying, look, oh man, I've I, I, I messed up this week. But equally, it's something else here. We need to confess our sins against one another to each other. And you might think, well, I've never done that to anyone in this place. The Old Testament says, do, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, in, no, in the Ten Commandments. Jesus takes that another step higher and says, if you even think it, you'd be as good as done it. Confess our sins to one another. God really challenged me this week to do this with somebody who I was, I was holding, been holding a bit of grudge and a bit of resentment towards for some time. And, and I shared this with you guys a few weeks ago. But really, God dealt with that with me and I had to confess to the Lord and repent over it because it was a stronghold in my life. But actually then God says, I need you to take that to them now. I'm like, wow, are you sure? I'm not sure I want to do this. Because it's important that we confess our sins to one another and say, look, you don't even know this, 
They weren't even aware of it. You don't even know this, but can I, I, I need to let you know this. I need to ask your forgiveness as well. There's power when we do that. There is real power when we do that. And then we come to the end of this passage here. Just like us, Elijah. And if you know your Old Testament stories and Elijah, and Elijah just went back up into heaven in a flaming chariot. What a guy. But it says Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Wow. Do you believe that? Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. A human being, just like you and me. And if you know the story of Elijah, Elijah was far from perfect. He calls on fire down from heaven and against the prophets of Baal and, 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 and the, the, the whole altar is consumed and the, the, all the people of Israel bow down before them. Somehow he outruns a chariot and gets to a place before the chariot with horses does. Not quite sure how that happened, but hey, God took him and he does all this and then he gets scared and runs away. He runs away and he goes to hide in a cave. He's saying to God, I'm the only one, there's no one else. And God's like, what are you on about? Have you not seen what I've just done? But even despite that, in spite of what he'd seen God done, and this is the same in our lives a lot of times, God moves powerfully amongst us and like, oh my God, well you can't, I can't. Because we're human. Elijah was like a human being like you and me. God wants to use you like Elijah. How does that make you feel? He prayed and it gave, the, the earth gave rain and the earth produced crops. Because if he prayed, God shut up the windows of heaven over the land. Because Elijah prayed. Don't ever doubt the power of prayer. Don't ever doubt the power of prayer. Don't ever doubt the power of prayer to a God who is Lord over all. He's Lord over the microscopic atomic sphere that I just don't understand and I won't even get into. Lord over everything. And then in verse 19, it says, and, uh, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. God wants to use you and I to turn people back to him. And we kind of know that if we've been around church for a while. But God really wants to use you and I to turn others back to him. He wants to use you and I to alter someone's eternal destiny. That sounds scary, if I'm honest. He wants to use you and me. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times growing up in church, that felt like a huge burden. Because I felt, well, I've got to have the words down and I've got to know exactly what to say. And I tried it two weeks ago, Lord, and the magic didn't work. That person didn't bow the knee right there, so I'm a bit uncomfortable with this. I don't think I'll try anymore. But actually, the freedom that he gives us, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Come on. I don't have to have it figured out. 
It's not by my words or by my strength whether someone bows the knee to Jesus. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, full stop. But he chooses to use us in that dialogue somewhere. There's no pressure with this at all. And actually we have a God who, who sometimes when he's telling us what to do and we don't, he's not about to smack you around the side of the head with a big plank. He's like, okay, just listen harder next time. Just come back to me. Let's get back in that place of communion. But actually, he wants to use you and I to change someone's eternal destiny. He wants to use the church in Coventry to change the eternal destiny of everyone living in the city. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's even possible? That this city of peace and reconciliation that we pray for would know the peace and reconciliation of King Jesus? It's on the signs as you drive in off the A45. I mean, it couldn't be clearer, could it? This is what he wants us to work toward. But not that it's a burden that we're carrying. Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But actually, it's actually pray that God takes control of our mouth and our tongues through the power of his spirit dwelling within us. And he just gives us the words to say. We said, spoke about last week about when we pray. And we, sometimes we just don't know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit says, it's okay. I'll take over. I'll pray on your behalf before King Jesus. And how often do we just sit in his presence and say, Lord, I, I don't know what to say. Or sometimes the things we need to say are too painful to articulate. Sometimes just, just the very process of, of articulating the things that are God's place on our heart or the people he's placed on our heart are just too painful. Just, just bow before him. Just, with you. just open our, ourselves up to him and say, Lord, just will you fill in the gaps because I need you to. When we go into our places of work, when we go into our schools and our universities and our neighbourhoods, in our own homes, praying the same, saying, Lord, I'm weak, I'm feeble, I get it wrong. Will your strength be made perfect in my weakness and will you just go forth? How often do we go to these places like that? How often are we on the train or on the bus stop or in the supermarket saying, Lord, would you reign supreme in this place? We talked before about how in the Old Testament, when God dwelt amongst his people, when he was in town, no one doubted that he was there. Pillars of cloud, fire, you go into the first temple, this first worship service in the temple, and it's just going off everywhere. That's what it was like when God showed up. Now, he dwells here, in the temple of Baha. I'd like to suggest that's what it should be like when we go with him into places. That light should shine into the darkness. Not because of us, but because of him and who he is. It should be really clear. It should be really, wow. Did you feel that? Did you see that? Something different is in this place because he's there dwelling within us. I want to pause for a few minutes before our worship team come back and I want to give us a chance to pray. I want to give us an opportunity to pray right here, right now. And feel free to pray where you are. Get up and pray with someone else if someone's, God's laying someone else on your heart. Come down to the front to pray if you need to and someone will pray with you. If you want to pray with someone, 
And why don't we just come before God and just say, God, I get it wrong a lot of the time. It's important at the outset to say, Lord, ask, I, I want to ask your forgiveness. I want to ask forgiveness for the sin that's in my heart. I want to ask forgiveness for the sin of small-mindedness when it comes to you. And I wonder if we could do a couple of things while we pray. I wonder if we could come before him like the psalmist did, that desire to be in his presence. I wonder if we could take a leap of faith when we pray. Take a real leap of faith in our prayers. And I want us by name to call out to the Lord those we know that don't yet know him. Can we do that? We need to ask forgiveness, take a leap of faith in our prayer and call out by name those we know that don't yet know him or those we know that are distant from him. Those that we know who are trying hard to turn their back on him. Can we do that? Lord, help us to believe and not doubt when we pray to you. I pray, Lord, that you would honour the prayers that have gone up in this place today. I pray you would bring us perspective while we're on our knees to you, Lord. You would bring us perspective for how you want to work and move in our lives and amongst us and those around us. Lord, we plead for healing for those close to us who are in pain and who are suffering, Lord. Because we know you're a God who can. You know you're a God who does. We pray for physical healing. We pray for mental healing, Lord. We pray for spiritual healing today. And Lord, I pray that this would be a start of something within our lives today where we just, we just have a greater awareness of you and what you want to do through us and who you are. Lord, so we can come before you like the psalmist, longing with all of our whole being to be in your presence, Lord. Because in your presence there is fullness of joy. Lord, might you be on our lips. Might we be the first that we come to with our, with our pain and our anguish and our, our prayers, but also in our joys and our, our thankfulness, Lord, to you. Every good gift is from you, Lord. So I pray you'd be the first one we come to with this. King Jesus, we lift you high this morning. Lord, we want to honour and glorify you and your name to be praised in this place. And I pray, Lord, as we're on this journey together, we realise this is not by works that we have done. Lord, we're not, we can only stand because of you, Jesus. We just want to thank you and praise you for what you've done to us, done for us, and on our behalf that we couldn't do. We thank you for your unendless mercy and grace and your patience, Lord, with us often. Lord, we're stubborn. We get it wrong a lot. We thank you that you're waiting there with open arms to welcome us home. I thank you for your goodness, as we sang about earlier. And we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, you are faithful. We can trust you. No matter what's going on around us, we can trust you. We lift our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and the surrounding countries to you once more. I pray they would get a real sense that you are faithful and that they can trust you, Lord. And they're going through things we can't even be, begin to imagine, Lord. But I pray you would use them in that place. You would use them in the acts of mercy. You would use them to heal those people around them through the power of your spirit, Lord. You would use them to break forth against the powers that are raging around us, Lord. 
King Jesus, would your name be lifted high in the middle of a war zone. We come before you humbly because you know the beginning from the end. You know what the future holds for that nation. But I pray you would just strengthen your people. Lord, in this country, you don't really know what it's like to experience persecution. If someone's a bit out of sorts with us because we're a Christian at work, we call it persecution, Lord, but we're not in fear of our lives. So, Lord, would we be on our knees for our brothers and sisters around the world who are? Who stand up and be counted in spite of the cost. Lord, we thank you and praise you just for who you are this morning. We thank you that you've been in this place, that you've spoken to us. I pray if you've challenged us, I pray we wouldn't leave here without dealing with that first. Lord, help us not to put the things you speak to us about away and in, in a box to lock away, Lord, because we don't want to deal with it. Give us freedom, Holy Spirit, to come before you today. As we, as we sing praise and worship you, Lord, I pray we would do that with a heart of prayer and praise continually, Lord, as our worship team come and lead us in worship once again. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.